Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Lessons with Troy, the podcast. I'm your host, Troy Brittany Meyer. This week, I'm happy to have UK-based Weizenborn instrumentalist Aaron Radford on. Aaron is a passionate enthusiast of the Weizenborn and the artists that play them, as well as the builders that are making them. He started his site, the WeizenbornInformationExchange.com, where it not only has an ever-growing list of interviews with some of the world's top players, but it also has a lot of really useful Weizenborn information on it as well. If you want to learn more about Aaron and his music, you can visit his site at www.aaronradford.com. Also, as always, if you're interested in learning more about playing Weizenborn, lap steel, dobro, or pedal steel, be sure to check out my site, lessonswithtroy.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Uh, let's go ahead and make welcome Aaron Radford, all the way from Colchester, Essex County, across the ocean in the UK. Thank you very much, Troy. Hey Aaron, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and kind of tell us a little bit about how you got started in music and, and playing the, the Weizenborn. Well, um, well, my name's Aaron Radford and um, I'm a Weizenborn instrumentalist. Um, I don't sing. Um, and I'm a passionate enthusiast about Weizenborns. Um, I don't proclaim to be a self-professed expert on the history or the how they were made. Um, I leave that to, to other people such as Tom Noe, who literally wrote the book on Weizenborn history and the making side of it. Well, Tony Francis has got that wrapped up. He's, he knows everything there is to know about how they're made. Um, but with me, it's about the sound of the instrument and it's about the people who play it. Um, so, yeah, a passionate enthusiast is how I describe myself, and now a recording artist as well in my own right. So, um, yeah, that's in a nutshell. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, you've done so much in a in a short amount of time. I think you know you you've recorded uh, at least at least one CD. You said, and and uh, yeah. is, is, have you recorded more than one, yeah. or is it just one? No. Okay. I'm, um, with regards to what I've actually recorded and released, I've released I released an EP about three years ago called Elemental Weizenborn, and that was an instrumental four-track EP um, playing ambient improvisational Weizenborn against um, sounds of nature, running water, um, crackling fires and ocean shores, um, kind of like a relaxation CD. Um, nice. Um, my partner often uses it when we when we fly aboard. She puts it on her headphones and she's asleep in a couple of minutes. Um, <laughs> that, that's great. Yeah. So that that was that was my first foray into into recording. Um, the second C the first CD I released was called My Wise and Born Journey, and um, to be fair, that was just a bunch of um, home recorded demos. Um, the quality wasn't the best, but um, there was a lot of enjoyment to be there, I, I hope, for any wise and born players. And um, this May, I released um, my latest album, and that's called Soundscapes and Sonatas. And that is what I would classify as my first proper album, um, right from the writing of the songs, recording. Some of them I recorded in the studio this time. Um, others I recorded at home. Um, I did all the artwork. I had a photo shoot. And that was all really fun for me because that was um, 
it's all part of my journey. Um, I'm sort of I'm setting myself small goals that I can achieve, um, and I'm just trying to build something up gradually. I'm not I'm not shouting it from the rooftops. I'm just putting it out there, and people people seem to like it. So um, I'm enjoying the ride at the moment. Nice. Yeah, and I think I think what I notice is you're just going for it. You know, you're putting a ton of energy into it. You're you're as you're learning, you're you're uh, you're recording and kind of taking those snapshots. Yeah. In your pro- progression, you know. Yeah. And yeah, and so tell us then, because I have a probably a lot of students that watch this. Mm-hmm. Um, how long have you been playing? Because I know that it's you're relatively new to yeah, the instrument. Yeah, very right? much so. Um, well, I'm, I'm relatively new to, to playing any instrument. Um, I did, oh, really? Yeah. I, I tried to learn conventional guitar um, best part of 20 years ago. Um, and I did all right. I could knock out a few tunes at a party or by the campfire sort of thing. Um, but it never it didn't fulfill me. I, I, was, I didn't feel like I wasn't good enough to... Um, to progress any further with that and I can't sing so so that kind of stumped me and for a long time I, I didn't play any musical instruments till about five years ago I picked up the guitar again and I hit the same brick wall and I was quite disillusioned and then I actually got into um, cigar box guitars of all things oh cool now nice. c- cigar box guitars was my entry into Weisenborn playing by virtue of it was open tunings, albeit three strings, it was still open tuned, DAD, um, and also using a slide, a bottleneck slide. Um, but that kind of really struck with me. Um, I felt calling cool to that. I, I, I've always liked that sound of, a, of um, something sliding on a guitar string. Um, and it was quite by chance that through that I discovered one of my musical inspirations, um, Ry Cuda. Oh, yeah. Now, I discovered Ry Cuda and I discovered Paris, Texas, and I was blown away with that. Um, and um, because I got into Ry Cuda and I was on YouTube one day, I saw um, an American fingerstyle guitarist called Ed Gerhard playing a conventional bottleneck slide version of a Paris, Texas um, melody. Okay. And that was really cool. I thought, oh, wow, well, you know, I like Ry Cuda anyway. But in the suggestion box on the right-hand side, you have other videos, and you just can see a little snapshot of of what they are. They're like the covers they have for, for your videos. Um, and on that, he, he was playing something on his lap, and I thought, whoa, What's that? Um, I was first struck with the with the amazing colours of the guitar more than anything, so I had to click on that. And that particular video and that particular song was um, him playing Homage. Have you heard that that track of Edgar Gerhards? I don't think so. I need to check check it well, out. Yeah. In my in my humble opinion, and it is just my opinion, I think it's the the best piece of Wise and Born music ever recorded, and um, you know, even Thomas Oliver himself thinks so highly of that track. It's an absolutely magical piece of music. I really do implore everybody to go out and um, 
listen to that piece of music. And it was instant. I just knew then that this was the instrument I'd been waiting for. Well, I wasn't waiting for it. It just instantly struck me, I've got to have one of these. I've got to learn how to play it. Um, within two weeks, I'd ordered one. Um, I ordered, like many do, um, a mass-produced, laminated um, Weizenborn copy from somewhere in the Far East. I, I, don't, I don't know its exact origins. Um, yeah. And I loved it. Um, and I was so in love with the sound of it and I was so in love with that piece of music that I heard from Ed Gerhard. I knew one day I, uh, that was my goal to be able to play that piece of music homage. Um, if I could do that, I'd die a happy man. And I'm still trying to get there. Um, and yeah, that all took off from there, really. Um, I was and how long ago was that? Um, that was probably back five years ago, 2011, I think I, I bought that, that guitar. Um, wow. And it wasn't long after that that I created the Weizenborn Information Exchange on Facebook. Um, and that just started out of my, my passion and my craziness to find out as much about this instrument as I could in the shorter space of time. I just wanted to immerse myself in everything Weizenborn. And I was, um, I was getting a bit frustrated, to be honest with you, because I was going on the internet and there was fragments of information scattered around it didn't seem, well there isn't really, apart from my site, a, a site that's dedicated to specifically Weizenborn only. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought I'd create a Facebook page and every piece of information that I found I would put on it and um, other people, like-minded people, could come along, visit it and possibly pick up a few nuggets of information and be hooked or be turned on to Weizenborn playing artists that I'd discovered. So yeah, that was that was all very exciting for me to to be collating all this information into into one place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a huge site now. I mean, as far as like all the people you've interviewed and well, tell us a little bit how 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 does yeah. that work? And all well, that. the the Facebook page the Facebook page went for nearly well not nearly it's still going. Um, that went for two years, and it was actually a conversation I had with Ed Greenfield at Anderwood Guitars. He invited me down one weekend, um, and he said, "Why? Don't, why haven't you started a website? You know, this is this is crying out for a website." And I went, oh, "I don't know." I said, um, "It's not really my bag, web designing. It sounds like a lot of hard work, if to be honest with you." Um, and this was around about the same time, because at, at, at the same meeting, or meeting, um, visit, was the Irish Weizenborn player, John Wilde. Okay. And he was with us, and he was about to release his debut album, um, which is like one of the best Weizenborn instrumental albums ever recorded, in my opinion. And he's- You gotta check it out. You've yeah. got to check out John Wilde. John um, Wilde, okay. Spelt with an E on the end of Wild, um, okay. and because he was going to release his debut album, um, I said to him, can I interview you? And he said, yeah, 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 of course you can. Um, and then I suddenly thought, 
the more you put on the Facebook page, the more you bury things underneath it. And what was happening was I must have put like 5,000 posts on that page at that time. So for anyone to find any information, they would have to be scrolling for hours. <laughs> um, I know you can pin something at the top of the page um, and make it stay there. But the, um, the options were quite closed um, and restricted on that. So it was a combination of the two things, a conversation with Ed and a conversation with John. That I said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. I, I'm, I've got nothing to lose. Um, I'll try it for a year. If, I, um, if I'm getting the visitors and I'm getting some good feedback, I'll, I'll carry on with it. So um, I went to one of these companies that does um, template-style web hosting where it's quite easy. It's all, all laid out for you. Mm-hmm. Um, started that up. When did I start that up? January 2015, the, the website started. Really? Uh, yeah, and that kicked off with the John Wilde interview. That was the 1st of January. That was, that was my big reveal. Um, and people people loved it. I've I've had so much amazing feedback since. It could have easily been one of those things that I put a lot of hard work into, and got no feedback. Um, yeah. And how far down that road do you go before you say, I just don't think people are that interested. But the <laughs> feedback I've been getting, I get feedback every week from people that are just saying it's a great site. Just keep it going, man. Um, and that just fuels me, yeah, just to keep it going. Well, tell us a little bit, uh, for people that maybe haven't visited this site, I mean, who all have you interviewed so far? Wow. Um, well, I think I had a little count-up before, before I came on the podcast. And I, I think I've, I've spoken to 28 different wise and born playing artists in, in less than, well, that's about 18 months. Um, I think... The majority of them are full in-depth interviews where I basically talk about every aspect of their playing, how they got hooked onto the instrument. Um, basically, I'm just pumping them for information that I want to know. Um, <laughs> so I'm like a I'm like a kid in a candy store, you know. I get to ask all these all these Wiseman players that I respect so much all the questions I want to ask, and I just hope they're the questions other people want to hear asked as well. Yep. Seem to be. Have you found that the artists are real, uh, you know, they, they really want to do it? Like they're, well, on, yeah. they're totally on board? Yeah. I mean, I haven't nice. I, I haven't had any artist refusals at all. Um, I've got my wish list still of people that um, I want to get on to the website, some, some big yeah, names. Yeah, who's, who's that? Well, <laughs> I mean, obviously the name that one day... I would like to interview and get on the website is Ben Harper. Um, ben Harper is the sole reason, I think, about 90% of people who play the Wise and Born today play it. Yeah, um, yeah. His, his debut album, Welcome to the Cruel World, back in, I think it was 1994, um, that really made a Wise and Born call. That, that brought that into sharp focus again. I mean, this instrument had been languishing um, in the wild. I mean, you had you had people like David Lindley, John Fahey, um, and Bob Brosman. They were championing the cause. They were playing it. They were getting it out there. They were taking it to the people, but they didn't really have, apart from possibly David, they didn't really have that mass appeal to get it into the, the mainstream. 
Um, yep. Ben Harper just blew that out of the water when he released that album because, you know, so many tracks on that he recorded on his Wisenborn and people just hadn't heard it and they were going like, wow, what is that sound? And that is exactly how Tom Oliver discovered the Wisenborn. He heard that album one day purely by accident um, uh-huh. and he just had to find out who it was and mm. that's the sole reason he plays the Wisenborn today and so many people that I speak to he is the biggest influence. So, yeah, he's he's basically my number one I'd like to get one day. Um, That's awesome. I bet you'll get him. I oh, bet. Well, Have you con- contacted him or anything? Um, it's The trouble is I found with a few, a few people that I have interviewed, it's more about not going through, not trying to go through the official channels. It's trying to find someone who's got contact for you that can put in that one good word for you, and then it happens. Um, so it will happen one day, you know. That's what I that's what I strive to. Another, obviously, the other person I'd like to speak to in that category is David Lindley himself. Um, he's like, I suppose I consider him like the godfather of Wisenborn. He was um, he was playing it when no one else was playing it. Um, other artists still was Xavier Rudd. I saw him in concert this year. He was absolutely amazing. Um, uh, what's his name again? Xavier Rudd. Um, oh, Aust- yeah, Australian yeah, yeah. singer-songwriter. He plays didgeridoo mm-hmm. as well. Um, his concert, there was so much energy in that concert. Um, that just blew me away. Um, so he's he's on my list. Um, so those three artists are top of my, my, my hit list. Nice. Have you found... Uh, I had thought sometimes that that Weisenborn seems to be more popular in like uh, Australia and New Zealand almost, and maybe it was just there's artists like Thomas Oliver and Xavier Rudd and and some of those. But I don't know. Is it is it more popular in a specific well, country? Have you found? Well, you've just named the. I mean, I think I've had this conversation with Thomas Oliver himself, and he just said, "Well, he, at the time, he said I don't know anyone else who plays Weisenborn in New Zealand." <laughs> I think he had a. I think he had a close personal friend that played Wisenborn, um, that actually played. That's actually owns his original Wisenborn now, as I understand it. Um, so yeah. Huh. So it's 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 a misnomer, and and I've had that exact conversation with Thomas. Um, I think there seems to be a periphery of um, Luthiers, possibly, more concentrated in in the in the southern hemisphere. Possibly that that might be part of the reason why people think. Um, it's more associated nowadays with that part of the world, but no, I think it's. I think it's. Um, I mean, the nationalities of the people that I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to American, British people, Swedish, Italian, Norwegian, um, Dutch. You know, I'm speaking to lots of different nationality people. So um, no, I, I couldn't. I couldn't pick. I couldn't pin anywhere in the world that I think, you know, it's the strongest. It's, it is quite um, spread out, in my opinion. Nice. Well, why don't we take a little break and, and we'll let the, the viewers and the listeners listen to a track off your album. Do you want to, uh, you know, want me to play a certain track? What, what, what um, track would you like me to play? Yeah. Um, well, one of one of tracks off of my, my new CD, um, the track's called um, Sono Felice, and that means um, I am happy in Italian and that was inspired by a Weisenborn playing friend of mine called Roberto Diana 
and um, he is a instrumental guitarist and he plays the Wisenborn occasionally and one of the tracks on his album was called If You Are Happy and it was a song he wrote about his father passing away um, but the melodies on it just really struck a chord with me and I sat down one night and I kind of it was like a, I wrote a reply track to it and it turned into um, a full-blown song and the really cool thing was um, Roberto came and toured in England um, a couple of years ago and um, I actually played it in full in front of him which was a really cool thing so yeah if you could play that one that means quite a lot to me that track cool cool and what's it called again one more time it's called Sono Felice so let me see if I can pronounce this right Sono Felice Sono Felice I'm Soto, happy Sono yep. okay yeah and this is from uh, Aaron Radford's album Soundscapes and Sonatas and we'll be right back Cool, man. Yeah, we'll just take a little break. Yeah. And
from the UK. So uh, talking more about your website, the Weisenborn Information Exchange, and what's the what's the address to that to that website so people can check it out? So it's www.theweisenborninformationexchange.com. Nice okay. and snappy, really short. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've typed it about a thousand times myself and I still get, the, get it wrong. So um, yeah, um, I, I often... I often um, shorten it to twy, twy. When I'm when I'm messaging people or texting people, yeah. T W I E. But um, that doesn't make much sense on a website address. I, th- I always feel the website address has to say what it contains. To be honest with you, like lessons with Troy. I mean, how can you not know what that's about? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Who knows what lessons it might well, be? Well, maybe though. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cooking lessons or yeah. something. Well, tell us. I don't think you, you've mentioned yet, um, you know, some of the other people that you've had on the site. So tell us maybe some of some of the people you've had interviews with, and who might be your your favorite interviewee that you've had on the site. Wow. Um, so, in kind of chronological order, we started off with the John Wilde interview, the Irish Wisenborn player, um, mm-hmm. talking about his debut album called After Eight, which in in my humble opinion, it's kind of it's not too far under Thomas Oliver's album for like um, how the stature of that album. People who are into Wisenborn instrumental music should go out and listen to that straight away. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure people who know what a Wisenborn is and are listening to this podcast know who John Wilde is. But in case there's a few that have come on, please check him out. Um, Martin Harley. Um, British UK blues um, slide player. Um, okay. Um, Tom Solver, of course. Um, now, I said to myself, I would run the website for a year, and if I didn't get the Thomas Oliver interview in that year, I would pretty much pack up shop, because <laughs> what why, what site that's dedicated to Wisenborns that hasn't got uh, an in-depth feature with the world's leading instrumental player. Um, it, you know, it's not worth anything, is it? Really, I didn't think. 
I just felt it would have been incomplete. And um, Thomas was really gracious. And in his own words, that interview is... Because um, my... That particular interview, he was he was changing from being um, concentrating from being an instrumental Eisenborn player and moving into the singer songwriter realm, which is always where he wanted to be and where he was going to progress to. But he was bang in the middle of this transition, and I wanted to get what I would deem as the definitive interview with him about Weisenborn. Um yeah. and he was amazing. I sent him. I don't know. I don't know how many questions I sent him. <laughs> he must have spent days writing it out for me. Um, and I can never thank him enough because even in his own words now, that is the most definitive interview of that era of his career that there is on the internet. Um, so I was quite chuffed when I heard him I heard him describe that as, as that. Um, another big one for me was, was Edgar Hard. I mean, Edgar, Edgar Hard is the whole reason I play Weisenborn. It's the whole reason the website exists. Um, without him, none of that would happen. So that was a very special moment to be um, interviewing Edgar Hard. And, um, yeah, he was, really, he was really great as well. Um, um, I've spoken to um, Cindy Cashdollar. That, okay. that was quite cool. She's not obviously known as being a Weisenborn player, but she does play Weisenborn. And um, she's going to release a couple of Weisenborn tracks on her new album. So that's cool. Oh, okay. Um, another special one for me was um, Sally Van Meter. Uh, oh, yeah. A name that would be um, recognisable to your Dobro friends. Because mm -hmm. that's what she is. I mean, well, not, no, sorry, that's rude of me to say that's what someone is. But she's, she's a Grammy Award winning bluegrass Dobro player. But she's had this secret or not so secret passion for for Weizenborns. she's owned an original one vintage one and um last year she released a seven track ep called trey mystiche uh -huh. and i awarded that um album of the year it's just phenomenal if it's it's so romantic and melodic enchanting um I don't know what it is about Dobro players when they switch to um, playing the Weizenborn. They just bring something else to it um, that people have to have to go out and, and listen to that. Um, Trey Mystiche was called, that EP was called. Um, oh, I'll, I'll have to check that one out. I haven't heard that one yet. I mean, um, on the website, there's, there's I, I've kind of broken it down into sections where I'm doing full-blown interviews with people that... I deem as almost specialist Weizenborn players. Mm -hmm. And then there are other people, which is possibly more common, that use the instrument as a songwriting or performance tool. So they'll be predominantly, say, a dobro player or a regular guitar player, and they'll discover the Weizenborn and they'll write a track on it and play a track on it and put that on their album. So that's, um, that's a feature I've got in there called On Track With and that's kind of for those artists that have just got like the one track off of an album um, mm -hmm. so yeah that's how that's broken down um, yeah who else are there? Um, John Morrell um, American um, Weizenborn player, um, Chris Haugen um, Californian 
Um, one player. Who else were we? Well, of course, I interviewed um, you. <laughs> 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 that, that's what this seems so weird because I'm on the other side of this now. It's like, you know, yeah. I'm like a rabbit in the headlights. You're asking me questions, and I'm thinking, <laughs> is this how other people feel when when I'm bombarding oh. them with these questions? Oh no, this is great. And tell tell the people too. I feel super honoured. Because this is, is this the first time that you've actually ever Skyped? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, this is the first time I've ever Skyped. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know why I haven't Skyped, I suppose. Um, I don't know. I, I don't feel too comfortable on the camera, maybe. I don't know. Um, oh, no, man, I'm get, this is great. I'm getting over that now because I'm, I'm going on stage now and things. So um, I've got confidence. I just, um, it's just, yeah, face to face and people sort of watching me. Yeah, yeah, yeah was, no, it's, it I, cool. I thought that was interesting. So, um, well, uh, so out of all those people that you've met, that you've interviewed, I'm going to kind of predict, well, I don't want to predict. Tell us who, who you think, uh, you loved them all, let's just put it that way, oh, right? Oh, certainly, I've, I've, got, I've got to thank everybody for participating. I mean, they give up their precious time to, um, to contribute to the website, and without that, there wouldn't be a website. So every one of them is precious. Every one of them is part of the family, um, and it's a growing thing. So you know they'll be up there for you know eternity. <laughs> People can dip into it, and I'm hoping I'm going to get to the point where um, artists will be releasing new albums, and we can re-interview them. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'll be cool. Now speaking of Thomas Oliver, you know I interviewed him on on the podcast yeah, here. Yeah, podcast. And- uh, I'm I'm still waiting. Has he released his album yet? Uh, no, no, that's not released yet. Um, uh, and um, I don't know if if you're a fan of Thomas Oliver, you'll you'll probably know that it's not going to be an instrumental album. Um, and I don't, I'm not even sure how many Wisenborn um, lead tracks are on it. Um, but you know, that's that's. That's he's a evolving musician. He's he's not standing still, and um, but he did say there will be there'll be enough on there to keep all us Wise and Born fans and Thomas Oliver fans happy, and I'm happy <laughs> listening to all of it anyway. But you know, oh yeah, Thomas Oliver playing the Wise and Born is is something special, and anything new by him is like wow. Um, now, did you did you happen to learn anything new uh, when you watched the podcast that I did with him? Uh, yeah. I noticed kind of after that, and and I we hadn't mentioned this, but uh, you know, did you do, after that interview? I know that he had mentioned the the fingernails thing that he uses oh, for yeah. picks. Yeah, yeah, I've had, nice. I've had mine done. Um, I've got acrylics. Um, that was something I had done at the at the beginning of the year. Um, yeah, because I, I met him in London. Um, when was that? I think it was over two years ago. He did his first ever UK gig. And um, that was really cool, actually, because I, I went to see him. He knew I was coming, and um, I went to introduce myself to him. I went, I am. He said, I know who you are. You're Aaron. Really pleased to meet <laughs> you. So I was like, wow, it made my evening, you know. Um, and we got talking afterwards um, about about the nails, yeah, and he told me he'd had acrylics for quite a long time. And it makes sense when you go back and listen and watch him play how he gets that crisp pull-off on the string. Um, yeah. When you do it just with your fingertips, um, it's a complete. It changes it completely, especially when you're recording it. Um, playing mm-hmm. with, I, I've tried playing with um, brass picks and acrylic picks, and um, I just think it's too harsh. It's too harsh for Wisenborn. Um, I know a lot of Dobro players 
a kind of institution lies now wearing them and when they go to why is it, I mean yourself you, you use picks don't you oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it's 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 something that that you really have to uh, actually I got them right here um, once you you have them on it's just it, for for me at least it feels like second nature yeah. so I feel like yeah apart from the the clankiness yes. of of it hitting the string yeah you know as far as pulling it off I can get pretty much whatever I might get with a fingernail but I don't get the fleshy part yes hitting the string first you yeah. know which yeah. I think that might be what it gives gives it that harsh sound sometimes you don't yeah. get flesh and then nail you get just the clank yeah yeah it's 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 an it's an acquired taste but i do prefer the 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 fleshy the as you say hitting the fleshy part first and then the 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 ping of the nail an acrylic on um the string sounds so much kinder um than brass i mean i, I can play with picks and i sometimes if i've hurt my nail or something i do play with picks but having acrylics it changed my playing because it, it, it's just it's just an extension of your own hand. It's so weird. You carry it around wherever you go, and you're always ready to play. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I don't think I'll ever turn back now. I have them regularly done, like every three weeks. I have them um, topped up, and I have Do trained. they break? Um, or... Yeah, because I've, I've got a full time job, and um, that's sort of that involves me sort of doing some sort of um, heavy lifting sometimes, and I have I have broken them, but. It's taken me, I think it's taken me like best part of this year to come up with the the best way of doing it. Like she puts a, she puts um, the acrylic on first, the the plastic nail, and then she um, fills over it. Now she only did that once, first of all, and I was the finger was flexing, it was cracking. So now my, these these nails are, are so thick. I don't know if you oh, can wow. see that. The actual, okay. um, the actual thickness of them. So yeah, we've got like three layers on top of acrylic now works best, and I don't I don't seem to break them or chip them. So yeah, I'm really cool with that. Huh? Yeah, because I used to before I played dobro, I played a lot of finger style guitar. You know, for years I was really into Leo Kotke. You, you probably noticed that from the, our interview that, that yeah. you gave me. But yeah, I would always I mean for years grew my nails out. You know, and then if you ever chipped it or yep. broke, it's like oh, yeah. and then you have to wait for it to grow. You yeah. know, and yeah, it was kind of a pain, you know. I just wanted the consistency of sort of, you know, having something that I knew would always be there, so I'd always have the, the same sort of sound. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and a lot of people play with thumb picks um, and bare fingers, and I, and I don't play with a thumb pick. I, I think even that to me is too harsh a sound um, on the bass string. Some people, some people, that's how they, their music is driven with the bass, um, so they need that definition. That clarity in those bass notes, where I don't, I kind of rely more on the um, the the melody notes and have and sort of um, just suggest bass notes with the fleshy part of my thumb. Um, yeah. But now yeah. you're you're playing with uh, three fingers and a thumb, or two two fingers and a thumb. Um, well, that's something else actually, because because as I was saying earlier, I'm on, I'm still I'm still learning, and that that's the cool thing at the moment. I'm still. I'm still in that puppy phase where everything's new to me and I'm experimenting and I'm finding what works good and I partake that experience onto other people. Um, so, yeah, I've I got, I got three fingers um, done now. Um, okay. I predominantly only play with the two fingers and, and the thumb, but I have lately started to introduce this 
this um, third finger um, and the one thing I could do when I used to play regular guitar was do arpeggios and um, I think that's something that's probably the only thing I've brought into my Weizenborn playing that being able to do um, syncopated arpeggios um, and I've started introducing that finger a little bit more now um, nice so well, why don't we take another break and uh, and listen to another track? What 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 do you want to uh, have our listeners listen to now? Um, well, I suppose a track called "Autumn Smile." Um, it's one of the first tracks I ever wrote. It's probably the second track I ever wrote where I I, I sat back and thought that sounds like a proper song. Um, and I've done different versions. I, I I recorded a version on my first CD. There's a, a, a version on iTunes at the moment, and now there's a new recorded version I did, re-recorded version for my new album. Um, so, yeah, if you could play that, um, that'd be really nice. Very cool. Here it is. Cool, man. Yeah, we'll take a little break.
you had mentioned to me before uh, uh, a previous job that you had as a as a music journalist, and I noticed, you know, when you ask me questions when I read the big list of questions you sent me I was like man this guy is really thorough <laughs> and and very professional you know with the the questions but it now makes sense that you actually were a music journalist before all this is that right yeah um a vocational one so it was it was I, I didn't get paid for it um a salary as such but it was done to a it was done to a professional level um um, I was involved in a heavy metal and rock magazine um, about 15 years ago called Powerplay Magazine, UK uh, magazine, and I got on board with the editor of that quite early on. When I was in my early 20s, I was heavily into um, melodic rock music and AOR music, um, album-orientated music, basically sort of... Um, music that wasn't going to get in the charts um, okay. it might get a play on um, MTV rock show or something but it was always to me about melody it was always about that for me um, so I was kind of the resident expert on melodic rock and AOR music um, and I would interview I would interview countless people for that um, and I got um, invited along to some pretty cool um, interviews with um, likes of um, Ozzy Osbourne um, um, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. Um, wow! They, not, 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 not totally my bag, but wow! I mean, when you're in the presence of greats, it's kind of it's a very memorable experience. Um, but yeah. well, I got I got one guy to sorry to interrupt. Mm -hmm. um, you know the guy that's you know playing Weisenborn now, Dan Spitz. Did you ever get the yeah. chance to interview him? Well, I've. I, I have put some feelers out with Dan, but Dan's a very, very busy man. Um, and that's what I was pertaining to earlier about um, getting the right contact, getting the right number, getting to speak to the right person. Um, sometimes, I don't know if you go through official channels, it's just kind of, it, it might just get lost. Um, but yeah, I keep putting the feelers out. He, he put out um, a new video yesterday of him messing around on um, Instagram. Did you see that one? I don't think I have yet. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I made a comment on that and said um, I'd really like to sort of speak to you one day because, I mean, I've bought the EP and I've listened to his story and it's quite a touching story about his, his kids with autism and how he learned to play the Weizenborn from, from nothing. Um, yeah. He's kind of a set, he taught himself in like 12 months, I think that's how he puts it, didn't he? Like from complete yeah. novice to... To someone who can really, you know, um, play some really good chops, but you know, he's he's a lead guitarist in one of the biggest um, metal bands in the world. I mean, the guy's got chops coming out his ears. But <laughs> but what is the really cool thing about that is he's taking the Weizenborn in another direction, and um, people are going to hear that and go, "Wow, what's this?" You know. So there are people taking it in all different directions, and um, that's really cool. I think that the 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 instruments being used in different genres now it's not just um you know old traditional folk based instrumentals people are really sort of taking it out there and and running with it um now i'm just curious what uh, what would you think the difference is because you're you you really center it seems like on the weizenborn and to me kind of you know playing dobro and lap mm -hmm. steel and weizenborn and all that stuff how does the weizenborn really attract you as being 
different from dobro or even an acoustic guitar that no, somebody that's a good might question. yeah that's a good question yeah. um i think that comes down to on a physical level comes down to the construction it comes down to the fact that it has a hollow neck and that hollow neck changes the way the air chamber inside works so straight away it's got it's got a unique distinctive sound now coupled with that it's kind of really sort of earthy woody the mid-tones really come out it doesn't shrill it doesn't sound very you know um i often find a dobro um as well played as them um, i hear it being played sometimes i don't know it's just it's too too monotone for me sometimes i don't know um i just i just prefer coming down a notch and the metal on metal you know we as we were talking about earlier about fingers and flesh on strings um that kind of brings it back to an acoustic wooden guitar um and I think that's that's where the USP of the Weizenborn is. It's just like I think Ed Gerhard once said, you know, there's a there's a broken heart inside every one, and it has got this romanticism to me about it. That the sound it's haunting, in a totally good way. It's unique. Everyone who hears it will go, "Wow, what is that?" It's different, um, but yeah, it I've I've really connected with with that that earthy mid-tone um, that uh, only Weizenborn can sound like. Um, so to me, that's, that's, what, that's what makes it different to a dobro. Nice, nice. Well, that's great. But there are lots of things you, in common between the two as well, of course. Yeah, yeah. Dobro's so metal on metal. I mean, you got yeah. the metal, and Rob Ikes said this in a workshop, you've got the metal picks on the middle strings, mm. you got the metal bar, and the strings are going into the, the metal cone, it's just so much metal yeah. there. Yeah. So yeah, I suppose yeah. yeah. It's it's a, it's, a, it's a, an opposite end of the spec slide spectrum, um, is how I see it. And people will gravitate to one or the other. Um, mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, that's what's, and that's what I do. I do like. I do. I did have a dobro once. Um, I haven't got one now. I've got. I haven't got enough room. I've got too many Weizenborns now. <laughs> that's great. Well. Uh, you know, fast forward to, you know, are the present, you know, what, what do you think the state of the community, the Wisenborn community is since you've kind of seen it, you know, through your website and, and you're now putting out albums and, uh, yeah. What do you think about that? Well, I suppose, uh, I suppose I'd say it's very, very, very small. It's very niche. Um, even with the Ben Harper factor, and now the Thomas Oliver factor, he's influencing um, people like there's a, a young Danish um, Weizenborn player called um, Jacob Braegard. And um, he was directly influenced with Thomas Oliver. And he is a real talent. I mean, he's, um, he got invited to um, support Andy McGee when he came to Denmark. The guy okay. is a sensational talent. And um, he was awarded Single of the Year um, a couple of years ago for a track he did called Sundown Slide. Um, so um, I urge your listeners to um, to go and track that down on YouTube and listen to that. So there aren't many people out there that are playing it. I, I, f- I think the, the, the popularity of it seems to be growing more within the singer-songwriter spectrum of people using it as a tool to aid their performance or their sound repertoire 
um, because it is distinctly different to a conventional guitar um, it can add colours and flavour to an album or set that you can't mix up with a normal playing a normal six string all the way through so there seems to be a lot of artists out there that are that are turning to it as a as a tool um, and to be fair I think Ben Harper uses it as a, as a tool himself I mean um, he's obviously got a love affair with the instrument from a very early age but it's not like he plays it all the time um, so I think that's where that's where it's growing and I think with Thomas Oliver now going into that spectrum as well that's only going to um, influence more people that way but I mean I'm a pure instrumentalist so I, I get I get my kicks from listening to what people can make it sound like you know to, to connect with you to it the thing with a Weizenborn for me is it, it can evoke moods so um, clearly and definely um, and it's very expressive it's such an expressive instrument um, you can really put it's almost um, vocal in a way lyrical you, you can depending on how you attack a note um, and your vibrato there's so many things you can change and they're the things that I I pick up on I listen for those tiny inflections that I practice for hours to try and do if I hear someone like Ed Gerhard doing it or Thomas Oliver um, so yeah it, it's, it's getting there and, and I just hope one day that the website could be possibly something that's cited as something that aided that helped that um, because it's it's too good an instrument to be um, relegated to history as like an antique instrument, and basically yeah. that's what it was until I know I know Bob Brosman was playing it and David Lindley, um, but until they, um, Ben Harper picked it up, it was really it was an antique instrument that had almost almost been forgotten about really, um, and that's that would be a really cool thing to be a part of that that so one day you know you've got you got bigger artists that are taking it on stage. I know Dave Gilmore, he plays Weizenbaum, Pink Floyd. He's, I've seen him on stage playing it. Oh, um, okay. Ronnie That's Wood. Cool. Ronnie Wood plays one in on the Rolling Stones set. I've seen him play one. Um, he owns <laughs> an original. So, yeah, they, they are out there. Um, but it is, You know there's going to be somebody thing. that's going to, you know, a big artist. One one of these days, yeah. you, you got to figure, you know, that it's going to be playing it or, or somebody will see it you know the real big art and and it'll probably take off well, for for a while i would think i'm i'm amazed it hasn't taken off in nashville and country music more than than it has because and i was speaking to cindy um Cashdoll about this and sally van meter and they say it is pretty non-existent you know they i know cindy says she takes it to if she's doing um some studio work she'll take it as a, as i said earlier a different flavor a different sound um mm. But I, I thought that would be such an easy connection to, to make between the wise and born and country music. Um, and I think that's, that's possibly where it could explode. Um, someone, some big um, country artist picks up and runs with it. Well, speaking of artists, uh, what's, what's some artists or albums that you're, uh, you're into right now? Do you have anything you can recommend to our listeners they got to check out? Um, with regards to what, what, what I think has, has, has up to this date is like what people should listen to or go and try and go and check out um yeah yeah okay. like i always i always mention you know i and I, I i i don't know how i feel about this but i use spotify you know 
and because uh, it's just so easy to, mm-hmm. to use and I don't know uh, but anyways, uh, I love to just type in, like, if you mentioned something, I'll go back yeah. and listen to our podcast. He's like, oh, yeah, he mentioned that person. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Pull it up and, and um, uh, check it out. Well, obviously, Thomas Oliver. Thomas Oliver's um, the main man. Um, John Wilde, I spoke about earlier. Um, he's mm-hmm. another one that you've got to check out. Um, Ed Gerhard. Now, <laughs> funny thing about Ed Gerhard is he's such a paradox because... And I, and I put this to him when I interviewed him. I said, um, you've recorded 101 tracks over nine albums and only five of them are Weisenborn. Yet he's got this, such this big following and um, cult status of being this, rightly so, brilliant Weisenborn player. Um, but he's only really recorded four... Well, one of them was a Christmas song. So there's only really four Weisenborn tracks that he's ever done and they're all absolutely amazing. So... Check out Edgar Hard's Homage, um, Killing the Blues, um, Shallow Brown, and Rye Whiskey Mash. All of them, all of them, flag bearers for Wisenborn instrumentals. They're 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 amazing. Um, what other albums? Sally Van Meter's album we mentioned earlier, or EP, Trey Mystiche, um, that was okay. released last year. Um, if you go on to the website, Sally was gracious enough to um, record a a video, like an interview video of her talking about her herself um, and playing the Weisenborn. And she, she plays a track off of that EP called Najadna Fierdeen. And that was my favourite track off of the album. And she recorded that and she's allowed me, and me only, to host it on the website. So you can... I'm the only one with permission to host that so if you go on to her interview on the on the website and um, that video is in the middle of that um that's amazing okay. um who else have we got there's a there's a couple of albums that are that i'm really excited about that are coming up this year um one of them is by uh, a canadian weisenborn instrumentalist called adam bay comes from victoria canada and um him and me have been friends on Facebook for a long time and um, I've been following his journey and he's been following my journey and he's on the brink of record, uh, releasing his, his debut instrumental album and that is going to be really big. Um, I can't wait to listen to that. I've heard some of the demos and it really excites me. It's like I, I can only imagine that's going to be album of the year as soon as it comes out. Um, so yeah, Adam Bay, check his music out. Um, Adam Bay. Okay. Adam Bay. Another and, and um, what my one of my personal, um, well, my greatest personal playing inspiration is a, a Norwegian um, player called Knut Hem. Um, it's spelled oh, yeah, yeah. K N U T. Some people say nut, but it's not. It's Knut Hem, um, and he's another dobro player. He 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 makes his living from playing um, bluegrass. Dobro, he also does some drumming as well. But he's another one who um, shoehorns the Weizenborn into his set, and he has just recorded and released um, an album called Weizenborn by Knut Hem, and it's all Weizenborn instrumentals. Now he hasn't actually made this available to the general public yet because um, of various reasons about how he sets up payment and things, and I, I'm bang on to him every week about get this sorted because telling you man when you do that these are going to fly off the shelf 
Um, but check out a track of his on YouTube, and I rate it as one of the top three greatest wise of instrumentals ever written. It's called um, Langvenet, and it's spelled L-A-N-G-V-A-T-N-E-T, and that's a Norwegian word. I think it's for something like sunset. I'm not. I'm not sure about that actually. Listen okay. to that and and tell me that's not one of the greatest pieces of wise and music ever written. Um, and that's going that's on his new CD. Um, and as soon as he gets that sorted out, um, details will be going up on the website, and I'll be doing a full interview with him. Because out of all the players that I've listened to, he's the player that excites me the most because. It's all about dynamics with him. It's all about he t- his 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 music takes you on a ride. It takes you from it's like a um, like a river. It's got slow meandering parts, and then it's got like rapids. There's really fast parts, and then it comes back down gently, and then builds you up and brings you down. It's um, his style of playing is so romantic and so so melodic based that um, any fan of the Wise and Born. Um, is going to absolutely love him so I implore you to um, check Knut Hem out yeah will do for sure well let's talk a little bit about your instruments I know that you oh, okay. have recently uh, just gotten uh, a, a guitar from a, a guy that, that made my, my wise and born Bill, Bill Harden over at uh, Bear Creek yeah let's, let's uh, show our listeners and for all the people that are on the podcast maybe describe it too well you know? this this is a style for Coa, fiddleback Coa, Weizenborn. Um, and it's got, I don't know if you can see that, it's got tricolour binding, so that's maple, ebony and Honduras ropewood binding, just like Ed Gerhardt has on his one. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was quite, because um, Bill made Ed um, a guitar that I know um, Ed plays quite a lot, and that's got the tricolour binding on it. And I like I like the tricolour binding more than the two colour because I think it's it's not so not so busy. Um, I just think it. But look at that colour. Look, look at that colour. Isn't that beautiful? And you said style. What did you say? The style again? style four because of the the rope binding round the top and round the bottom and also the rope binding that goes up the neck and round there we go round the head. So that's 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 a style for um, basically the most ornamented um, style of Weizenborn you can get. It's got all the trimmings on it, and basically that's that's all the rope binding. But that I've waited two years for this guitar, and it's been worth every single day. Um, um, I can't stop smiling every time I come into the room and I look at it. I'm just like I've got such a big grin on my face. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Um, um, and I would go as far as to say, you know, being running a website for Wise and Borns, I've probably seen, in the flesh, I've probably seen hundreds and hundreds, but on the internet, I've seen thousands and thousands. And I think you'd be hard pushed to find a better looking one than this. Um, it's got everything. It's got, it's, it sounds absolutely phenomenal, um, but it absolutely looks phenomenal. And they say you can't have your cake and eat it, but there you go. <laughs> that's my cake and I'm eating it looks it. oh my gosh it looks incredible it is so, so so let's talk about that pickup what do you got in there right so um, I'm a great fan of sunrise pickups 
Um, I think um, David Lindley says they've got magic stuff inside them. Um, um, I was a fan of the LR bags um, M1 and also the Seymour Duncan Magmike. Um, and then, I mean, these these are these are handmade. There's a, there's a limited number of these made every year, and they're all they're all handmade by one guy, um, and they are pricey. And I was dubious about paying the big bucks for it. I managed to get. I've got one on my um, got one on my other guitar, my Eisman guitar. Okay. Just pick that one up for you. So this one, this one's my Eisman guitar. I had this one made last year for me. Um, Eisman guitars in Hawaii, um, made by Hawaiians in Hawaii with a Hawaiian wood. As uh, as you as you probably know, um, koa only grows in Hawaii. Um, and I once asked, I think I when I interviewed um, Mark Negro who um, who made this guitar, you know, what is it about koa wood, you know? Um, and he just said, you know, everything's been tried. It's just the best. It's the best wood sounding, and it absolutely looks gorgeous. Um, right back to the back to the sunrise. Um, yeah, it's worth every penny in my book. Um, I swapped out the mag mic and put this in, and yeah, I sold the mag mic. I think the same week. Brilliant, brilliant pickup mag mic. But when you compare it to this, I don't think there's any comparison. Um, this is only a magnetic pickup. It, um, the bag mic has got a microphone inside. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of micing inside the guitar. Um, my style of ambient melodic um, music, um, I, I put a lot of reverb over my music, um, some delay. Um, so that suits that that suits me playing with effects and playing playing live it sounds it sounds as compliments i get when i play play these guitars with these pickups in every time is um, nice it's really cool you know there's uh i don't know if you've tried this pickup but when i was in maui this past year um eisman um they had a booth there and then i did oh, this yeah, this that. little little pickup gig uh at a coffee shop they're in Maui. I, I, it's, it's awesome. It's like, I'm like, oh, I'm gigging in Maui. You know, it's with some guy asked me to uh, sit in with him that night, and he brought his. He was the Eisman kind of dealer there uh-huh. at, the, at the festival. You know, so he had all these Eismans in his in his car, but he brought one up, and literally just plugged. I believe didn't have an EQ or anything. I think we just plugged right into the board, and I was like, what is this pickup you're using? Because you couldn't see anything, and apparently. If you get on their site, the Eisman website, I think it's by K and K. Oh right, well the, well the um, I have got K and K in this because I've actually got two jack plugs there. So oh, I saw that. I, you know, I forgot to ask you about that. So he's got two for all of our listeners. Yep. He's got two out or input jacks, I guess. Yep. So I've nice. got one of them. One of them's the the K and K that's um, um, under the under the bridge. Now that's the one with like the three little piezo things, yeah. Okay. Little piezo sensors, and then the other the other um, socket is for the um, sound hole. And they're well, in. Tell, you gotta tell us about that, man. That's well, cool. Um, I I run um, I run these two pickups simultaneously through um, 
It's called the DTAR Solstice Blender Preamp. Because um, the, um, the Sunrise needs a preamp. It's, it's low impedance, so it, it, it does need that boost. But the, the really cool thing I like about the um, Solstice Preamp is um, I can mix both signals to get just the right um, depending on the situation I'm playing in, um, I can dial in the right amount of um, tone from either of those. Um, and that's why I went down that route and I, and I had two jack plugs put in and I know people are going to say, why didn't you have a stereo cable and TRS? I, was, I wanted the freedom to be able to actually swap this out, possibly one day, if something ever better come along, um, which mm -hmm. I don't think I will. Um, so yeah, so that's why I had to. I mean, to me, it's, it's no, it's no biggie having to. This is a working guitar. The, I, I've taken this on stage already. I had my first festival um, about three weeks ago, and I took this on stage for the first time and nice. um, used this system, and it was awesome. So I play this guitar every day, um, and that's yeah, every day. I play for at least an hour every day, weekends, two or three hours on the bounce. Um, I figure once I get to about 10,000 hours, I should be pretty good. <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> That's what they say, didn't they? 10,000 hours? Yeah, the 10,000 hours I, I've rule. worked that out on those on, on doing an hour a day. I think that works out like 20 years. So wow. I'm five years into a 20-year program. So by the time I retire from my day job, I'm going to go on world tour. So <laughs> There you go. How was they tell me about that that gig that you had the the, the most festival. recent one? Yeah, that was my first festival gig. That was that was um, that was a really weird experience because it, I have so much trouble trying to find venues and occasions um, to play instrumental wise and ball music. It's um, so I was I was on I was on a festival with like I, I think I had a Romanian techno DJ on before me <laughs> and um, and this is really cool there, there's a there's a British band called Echo Town and um, they're two brothers um, and Richard Harrison um, he plays a Weizenborn and would you believe it two Weizenborns in the same festival back to back one after the other I've I said to him have you ever known that he said I've never played on a on a gig or festival where someone else has had a Weizenborn um, wow. So it was a bit of chalk and cheese because I, you know I was the DJ brought everyone up and then I was bringing everyone down and then they were bringing everyone back up. So I think it kind of worked for that reason alone. But that was a really good experience for me because I had a proper sound crew, you know, professional sound crew being treated like a a professional musician, which is where you know I'm making steps and strives towards. Um, as I said, it's all part of all part of, part of my Weizenborn journey. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I was wondering how that went. I, I saw that. I was like, man, he's playing a festival. That's yeah, so cool. I've got another one lined up already for next year. Um, oh yeah, what's hoped, that? Um, it's a one in Dorset called the Wimborne um, Festival. Uh, it's a folk festival, so I'm gonna. Oh, that's that's a better fit for me straight away. Um, and I'm hoping to get a few more um, in the bag as well for next year. That's what I want to do. Hit a lot of festivals next year um, and try and play more but as I say it's really difficult um, to get to get out there and play instrumental music I mean that's where the singing songwriter comes in you know if I was singing with it you know 
I think I'd be quitting. I don't think I'd have much trouble. But just being an instrumentalist, there's a time and a place, and that doesn't come around um, that yeah. often. What but, about you know, like co coffee shop gigs yeah, and things like that? Yeah, um, I have, I have been, I've been trying to get a, a regular. I've had a couple of them. Um, I would like a regular kind of um, restaurant or um, coffee gig. Um, mm -hmm. Just so I can get out and, and you know once again this is all part of my learning curve again getting out there and perfecting learning how to interact with people. I mean okay at coffee gig you're not interacting with people but you know how you conduct yourself and how you set out a set and how you you know because the the scariest thing about that that festival I did was not playing. I mean I've practiced for thousands of hours. Those songs were down. It was the small chat in between. That's the that's the bit that threw me. Um, and also trying to all, trying to do it all to a time scale of like one hour, um, and yeah. keep and keep a check of the time, um, but it all kind of worked out. It did. It, it was good. It was good. Nice. Well, I'm curious. I, I, you know, I've seen pictures of your of your floorboard. You know, your pedal board, and I know you're using the Strymon. Is that right? For your Strymon Blue Sky Reverb pedal. It how do you like that? How do I like it? I think it's the best reverb pedal there is to go <laughs> with a Weizenborn. Now I've tried, I've tried seven or eight um, reverb pedals, um, and as soon as I had the Strymon, it's just a perfect fit. I don't know what it is about. How, um, it just works so well with the the tone of a Weizenborn. Um, it's not cheap. It but once again, if you're striving to get that, if you're striving to get a better and better sound, um, that's definitely the way to go. Um, um, TC Electronics do um, Hall of Fame Reverb, which um, I'm quite a fan of. I do like that. Um, but this blew my mind when I had Thomas Oliver. He uses the Strymon. Um, John Morrell, he's, he's been using the Strymon. And blue sky lately and um, yeah if you can afford it get it because to me and this is my personal opinion again um, mm -hmm. Weizenborn without reverb just doesn't do it for me um, my guitar the Bear Creek I got there is possibly the best sounding guitar I've ever played I've played vintage ones so yeah the best copy I've ever played but even even that can sound a little bit flat when you um, put it through a PA and you put a quality reverb for it, wow, all the lushness comes out. It's it's absolutely amazing. And, and this was something I discovered when I first started recording. I was recording because um, I'd made the mistakes early on recording from the amp, recording from the pickup. Never do that, guys. Um, always record from, from a microphone, a condenser microphone, acoustically, no effects on it. Then go into your software... Um, and add your effects later but as soon as you add that reverb everything changes everything <laughs> um, I don't know do you, do you use do you use a lot of reverb in, in what you do oh yeah yeah I, I, I'm obsessed with reverb yeah, I love it I'm a reverb junkie I've got a t-shirt somewhere saying I'm a reverb junkie <laughs> yeah I've learned I've kind of learned over the years depending on what style of song I'm recording to kind of chill out on the reverb because I could really go crazy with it yeah. but yeah i mean um you know in in pro tools I, i'm using well i use use this uh 
Universal Audio Apollo, and then it's got these what's called UAD plugins. So you get like uh, digital kind of copies of analog gear. So okay. there's all kinds of cool, cool reverb mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. But with you doing solo and uh, you know you playing like live. Yeah. I'm, I'm just assuming, right? You're not playing with tracks behind you. You're just playing. No, I am. Um, some of oh, the, okay. Because because my style of music is um, is ambient. Um, I like, and this is where the Raikuda Paris, Texas influence comes in. I like create, or I do like to create um, um, sort of sonic imagery. Like Raikuda creates, you know, as soon as you hear Paris, Texas, you you know you're walking in the desert in your mind's eye, you know, in a canyon and sun beating down on you. I like the use of how you can do that, and on some of my tracks. Um, not on the album so much, but when I play them live, I've got one track. Um, what do I? I've got one track off my first CD called "Mevagissi Memories," and mm-hmm. that was inspired by a holiday to Cornwall in a fishing village called Mevagissi. And I met there a retired fisherman called Mockham, and he was a he was such a character. Um, <laughs> and um, if you bought him a pint, he'd talk for hours, you know. I, I didn't, I just always listened to him. I managed to record him, and I've actually, as part of the intro to that song, I play his voice talking about fishing, and then I bring in the sound of a trawler, and in seagulls, and in waves, and I build the track up like that, and it gains momentum at the beginning from something slow to something quite dynamic near the end. So I really like that 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 um, that way of doing things. I've got another one called Water's Meat, Another Highland-inspired track, and that's about um, a beauty spot in Devon. I went to where these two rivers, high up in the mountains, mountains—we don't have mountains—high <laughs> up in the hills, <laughs> met each other. And it's called Waters Meet. So I play the sound of a river trickling in the background, mm-hmm. and um, I played the first time I played that live. People were just going, "Wow, well, you know that, 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 that it's like he was there." And I went, "That's just what I wanted to do, create oh, cool, the man. feeling that you was you was there." And I want to do that more. I want to get. I want to try and. Um, I want to try and get into that more, um, um, and add add sound effects into it a little bit. Have you thought about um, like like getting into the visual effects, like having a big screen behind you and doing like some sort of uh, uh, visuals that go with it? You know, like. No, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't thought of that. Um, I <laughs> I've do. seen some people do that. You yeah. Know? No, I think um, there's a there's a Dutch Weizenborn player called Bert Bowwaus. Bow Bowwaus Bowwies, and he does that. All his videos on YouTube is him on some exotic location behind him. I just, <laughs> yeah, he, you know, it, it looks a bit weird to me. Um, oh, okay, okay. Doing that, I s- bit gimmicky. <laughs> I d- yeah, yeah. No, um, I, but I do like creating. I do like doing artworks and that. And I've, I create um, a new artwork for every every track I do to promote it on um, social media. I, I really enjoy that. I did all the artwork on the on the CD. Um, I had a photo shoot, and I did all the artwork on that myself. And that that is only available on CD. It's a limited edition CD. And people said, "Why did you make it only available on CD?" I said, "Because I spent a lot of time and effort." And my own personal money in packaging that in a way and presenting it to, to the person. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if, how you feel about music now. It's um, it's kind of 
because it's got no, there's no wrappers to it. It's all, it's digital. There's, it does, and the days that you hark back to when you're looking at an LP cover and you're looking at the linear notes and the artwork and, and that to a certain degree, you had that on CDs as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I know some people go and make um, vinyl now, but that wasn't the road I wanted to go down. But I wanted to create the package and, and have and do that. So I've only got, I think I've only got about 35 copies of that left now. Now you're talking about the Sonatas, soundscapes, yeah. and Sonatas. Yeah, because yeah. it's not available for digital download. There aren't. It's only available on CD. But I think when I sell them, I think I probably will make it. But I'll never reprint it. So the people that have bought it on CD, you know, in the small niche community of Wise and Born, it will be a collector's item one day, possibly because you know there was only like 500 of them ever pressed. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's actually a good uh, segue. Let's listen to one last track, and then when we get back, you can talk all about uh, the CD. Okay. How's that sound? What what do you want to play now? Um, One uh, track called King's Landing. Um, Another holiday-inspired track. I really do get inspired by locations and and, um, the feelings and moods that they evoke when I was there that I try and recreate. And on this one... Um, it, it was, um, I went to Holloway in Dubrovnik in Croatia and there's a, a walled city there, uh, the walled city of Dubrovnik, it's a thousand years old and we stayed inside that for a whole week and coincidentally for any Game of Thrones fans out there, that's where they, they filmed most of season four, um, so we was wow. living in the middle of a Game of Thrones set, um, it was absolutely amazing. Anyway, one night we was, we was at a restaurant and um, the waiter um, later told us that we were actually sitting on the very place they recorded the balcony scenes for King's Landing, um, which is one of the locations in Game of Thrones. And oh my God! So th- this track's got a Middle Eastern flavour. And when you listen to it, the bit at the beginning, I'm playing with pencils on my strings. Ah, okay. So, yeah. Not many people know that, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm playing with like a dulcimer hammer on the strings. So I'm using the bar with the other hand and, and a pencil with the other one to create the intro on that. So yeah, have, a, have that in mind when you listen. Very cool. Here it is. Nice, man. Yeah, well... Uh... <laughs>
uh, I just wanted to talk to him uh, a little bit about his album that's out and, and uh, anything you want to tell us about it. Um, it's called Soundscapes and Sonatas. It was released in May this year. It's a limited edition CD. Um, I'm glad to say most of which I've actually sold. Um, I've got about 40 copies left now, and it's it's only available on CD. And as we were um, talking about earlier, I just wanted that whole package um, to present it in a package that I, I, I was happy with. Um, it took me 18 months to write and record it. So that's 18 months of my life that I've put into that. I didn't crowdfund it. I, um, I financed it all myself, and all I asked people at the end of it was to, to buy it. If you was into Weizenborn music, it, I'm sure it would be of interest. Um, and it's something I'm really proud of. It's um, I've learned so much from when I first started writing the first song for it. I, it was a New Year's resolution. Um, I said for, so that must have been 2000, January 2015, no, January 2014, I said, I'm going to write 12 songs in a year and I'm going to record them and I'm going to release them. And that was my goal for the whole year, just writing, practicing, writing, writing. And I eventually got 11 songs, um, so that wasn't bad. Um, and as I say, it's all a learning curve, the, the recording part of it, could be better i know that um and the did next you one, record yeah did I, you record it yourself yeah i recorded well i recorded three tracks in the studio um and the rest i recorded at home and yeah i made i made a few sonic errors um <laughs> i had a, my good friend roberto diana he's got a studio in sardinia and he mastered it for me and he made it sound way better um cool. and that's possibly one of my my next goals on my list is to the next album is to record it in his studio in Sardinia. Um, I've just got to write the songs now. I've, I've written one. I've got a board. <laughs> I've got a board that you know. That's one. That's the new album. I've got one song, so um, I've got to get my skates on and, and start writing some more. Um, so yeah, that's that's going fast. So if you want a copy, get onto my website www.aaronradford.com dot com um, and all the details on there and how you can get hold of a copy um, and as soon as they're sold out I think I'm probably going to put it on iTunes um, I'm not going to release that that CD again in that in in that packaging because you know I, that's why I wanted people to buy it so they had sort of like a little collector's item um, in the small world of Wise and Bonds. hopefully that might make its mark. <laughs> That's very cool, man. Absolutely. Well, before we sign off here, you know, I always like for people to uh, tell any students that might be listening um, any advice that you might have. Yeah. Um, practice, practice, practice. And more importantly, make time for the practice. Don't put it off. Even if you can only play for 20 minutes in one day, do it. It's so much of it is muscle memory. Um, finger muscle memory um, and the your improvements will be very small and they will probably not even be noticeable to you half the time but this is why I urge people to write and record themselves no matter what the quality get it out there get it on there on YouTube or on their Facebook pages and 
you'll be really surprised at the the feedback you get from people because what you think isn't great other people love um so practice record your music um try listening to as much wise and born music as you can um i've got it on my ipod all the time and i'm i'm playing the same tracks over and over again day after day but you know that's I, i'm sure some of that sinks in subconsciously um you start making it's a slow it's a slow process but you start making connections when you're playing um i i, I would i would suggest trying to emulate some of your favorite songs and players watch their youtube videos see what they're doing copy it don't get tied up or hooked on trying to do note for note covers because no one wants to hear a note for note cover of something anyway someone wants to hear something different so don't worry about it not sounding the same but take elements from your favorite tracks um, and start putting them together in your own unique way and there's so much that can be done through phrasing and dynamics you can make one passage of music you can play it a dozen times and it will sound so different just by timing and dynamics, emphasis on how you're hitting the strings um, and the slide technique you have. And you're going to kill me for this, Troy, but te <laughs> technique isn't everything. You know, technique is really good thing to have, but it's not everything. You know, some say you've got to learn the rules before you can break them. And, and I, I, I would subscribe to that, but don't be... Don't be caught up in the, you know, my technique isn't isn't brilliant. It doesn't matter what your technique is. No one's watching you play, really. They're listening to you playing. And it's about expressing yourself through the music. It's um, That's the most important thing, um, expressing yourself. Um, so, yeah, that would be experiment. Try different tunings. Um, mix it up. Practice every day. Practice some of your favourite songs. But then the majority of my, my, my songs have come through happy accidents. I've just been messing around and I hear something in my head and go, wow. And I try and record it or get it written down. Um, and that could be the basis for a whole brand new song. Um, you never know when inspiration's going to um, strike. But practice, little and often, every single day. Don't go a day without practicing. And the improvement will come I can't I can't and I, I've come and this is someone who's come from is is never had a musical upbringing ne, had never proficiently played another instrument can't read music never had a lesson and I've learned all this from just watching people on YouTube listening experimenting and practicing um, so yeah don't give up keep on going I got one more before we get off here. You said that you started this CD. There was about 18 months in the process, mm -hmm. right? I've never had enough focus to record my own instrumental CD. You know, I mean, I always say I'm going to do it, and then I get recording lessons, I get doing this, I podcast this, and that. How does one person, let's say myself, this is a direct advice to me, but anybody out there really, stay focused for 18 months? And at the end of that 18 months, not gotten off into left field and this tangent, and you've got accomplished what you wanted to get accomplished. How do you do that? 
I suppose. I suppose if you're that way inclined, you will be. You, you, if you're an organised person, I mean, to, to, for me, um, during those eighteen months, I had lots of whiteboards on my little studio wall, um, otherwise known as the spare bedroom, um, <laughs> and I had progress charts. I had where I was, where I needed to be, um, and various stages of recording and mixing and things I was I was to go back and revisit. So. I think that's more than me. I mean, I'm, I'm probably OCD with that kind of thing. I do like I do like flow charts and and things like that to to keep me on track, and that's how I keep on track. Um, but it's because I'm passionate about it. It's because I wanted to do it. You know, if it was, it wasn't. There was nothing casual about it. It's what I was going to do. Um, just like you started your your website with your lessons, you know, you made that happen from nothing, and that was the that was the thrill for me. That was the buzz, you know, creating something from nothing that wasn't there before I started, that I can look back on and, and be proud of and say, Do you know what, I was you know I was focused and and I and I did, I did put the hours in, and so to me it was it was more about I think it's more about the achievement. You know, the end result was, was, I don't know, it wasn't inconsequential, but the end result was what it was. It was the more the process of going down that road. And, you know, for me, it probably was the first time I'd ever focused so hard on doing something and, and, and getting to the end of it, as you say, without sliding off and, and sort of getting distracted or bored. Um, mm-hmm. So, And not second-guessing yourself, too. I think a lot of students get... Uh, off track because they, they kind of start second guessing themselves. I think you you're a good example of staying on track, having confidence, and uh, every day, you know, staying on track. Really, yeah. Know? Be be confident of yourself. Don't don't get. There are going to be people out there that like you, and there are going to be people out there that don't like you, and and you've just got to learn to. Um, you know, it only takes one. For me, during those eighteen months when I was I was I was releasing the demos on social media and things like that. Some of the the replies I was getting was giving me such a lift, and they was inspiring me, you know, to 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 try even harder, um, and that's why I implore people, to, you know, get your music out there, even if it's just recording on your iPhone, put it on Facebook, you know, it only takes one comment to to lift your spirits and to think, you know, I am getting better. This is, this will happen, and 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 stick at it. Nice. Well, on that note, let's wrap it up. And I think, can't thank you enough, Aaron. Once again, yes. everybody, Aaron Radford. And tell them again the, the two websites uh, that you've got, how, to, how they can find you. Um, well, the, the Wise and Born Information Exchange, that's the website dedicated purely for Wise and Born music, um, artist interviews, Lufia interviews. There's also special features on there for things like what to do when you're buying your first Wise and Born um advice on how to choose a slide bar or um what else i've got in there pickup guides capo guides so there's lots of other things on there that are wisenborn related and that address is www.thewisenborninformationexchange.com um and my personal site well my personal site is www.aaronradford that's a r o n radford.com um, and I've got videos on there. I've got song samples um, um, and all my social media information is on there. So you can follow me on YouTube, Facebook, 
um, and purchase my music from from the website as well. So that'd be okay. Thank you very much for having me on, Troy. Um, oh, it's been very such welcome. a weird experience because, as I said earlier, having interviewed you and now being on the other end of it, I kind of I can empathise now with you know I've got a little bit of a sweat on going here, thinking, oh, am I going to be able to answer this one or not? And they were great questions, and I really enjoyed our, our conversation, and um, I hope people get something out of out of um, what we said today. Well, great. You did a great job, Aaron. I really appreciate it, man. And and uh, we'll see you down the road. Good yep. luck with everything. You too. Okay. Goodbye. Take care. Bye.